This episode of It's a Mimic is sponsored by Podcorn. Hey guys, it's Dan and The Voice here with It's a Mimic, and today we want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Podcorn. Let's be honest, the life of a podcaster isn't one that lends itself to luxury. It's a hard grind out there, and we know it. But Podcorn makes it easy by connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities easily and efficiently, without ever giving up the rights to your little pod baby. Podcorn functions like an old-timey bazaar where you find the goods you think fit your needs the best. Just in this marketplace, the goods are a library of amazing podcast sponsors that you can choose to potentially collaborate with on your next project. That's right. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly. No middleman, no hassle, no fuss. It would be our dream job to run It's a Mimic full-time, so we've been using Podcorn to find sponsors to help us live out our dream. So, if you're an experienced podcaster or someone just starting off, and you're looking to expand your brand just that little bit more, check out podcorn.com or hit the link in the show notes to go there directly. On with the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. How are you? Could you have made that more forced? Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, we're uh, strapping in to do Avernus this week, and a lot of Avernus has to do with um, dealing with the devils and your fiends and making deals throughout the entire um the entire land i mean you're in the first level of hell this is this is where you're going to run into a lot of wheeling and dealing devils so practically i know we haven't really discussed it much how do you handle the devil's deal in your games oh do you want to answer this dave because you're dealing with this shit right now in the tuesday campaign no let's let's roll for it let's roll for it All yeah. right. now this this isn't just with devils this could also be with like just evil npcs see look there there are three deal makers Goblins trying to get out of shit, Fey, and Devils. All right, down the list go: Devils, yeah. Fey, Goblins, sure. and and how do you deal with it? I got a one. So I got a sixteen. That's a seven. Uh, yeah. the, oh, that's a seven. I got a seven. I got a two. All right. Okay. So for me, for my for my Devils, um, a Devil is letter of the law to the point where they will. Try to worm their way out of it using the way you phrased it. Um, but mostly to get what they want or more and make you sacrifice more. That is what they're going to do. So uh, a devil will have a very clearly written clause, but there will be a, you know... Room for interpretation. Room for interpretation there. Um, and a devil has a extended life and are patient as well they will wait to make you pay up and it's not just an extended life if they die in the prime material plane they come back and they don't have a lifespan no the only way that they go away is if they die on their home plane yeah so for fey um i understand that fey make the deals that and and really they're powerful outworldly creatures they really should but a fae will change their mind as their whim suits them. So they want that deal completed quickly. They want that deal fulfilled now. And if there's any dawdling, anything else, they are going to slowly run you through with a silver dagger. Or have their army of red caps come and take you out. Or something along that those lines. Um, fae are uh, whimsical in the bad way. 
They will kind of... Depends on your fae, but okay. Depends on your fae. You're talking I'm, evil. I'm talking the evil. Well, even the good fae. I'd say they're they're very... There's um, no such thing as good and evil in fae. They're blue and orange. I'm not joking. Yeah, That's, no, I... Yeah. yeah. Uh, for well, those of you that think I'm giving Dan shit, I'm not. So they have the blue orange mentality, and that, yeah. that's how they that's how they react. Every yeah, seely unseely. Yes, deal right. Uh, a goblin is going to do whatever he needs to do to get out of that deal now, long enough for you to turn your back and not look at him for thirty seconds, so he could get the fuck out of town. That is what a goblin's going to do. He is going to grovel. He is going to kiss your feet. He's going to declare you are a deity to him. Until you look away and he could get away. So that's my answer of those ones. Okay. Um, for me, my big thing is a deal is a deal is a deal. There are all sorts of people that will break promises all over the place. There are all sorts of laws and rules and even planes that are based around law. So when it comes time to actually make a deal, commit to the deal. That's what it is. So I love your idea of devils are evil and they're going to make deals and then like leave little clauses and stuff in it. But I like devils that are just straight up to the point, here it is. And they're going to pick a very big temptation for you. They're going to really try to drag you into their world. And every deal, see, you get the first one free, right? They're drug dealers. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I don't think devils are about your soul. They're about the temptation. Well... No, see, I think they're about your soul as well, but they're not going to ask for your soul in the first round. They're going to ask for a soul. doesn't matter who. It could be a cat. And then maybe a, a, a dog. Do cats have souls? Yeah, everything, every living thing has a soul in D&D. Plants have souls in D&D. So, so they're, they're going to start off with a blade of grass. Just, just that's it. And then a hamster. And then a crow. And then a bullet. And they're going to work the way up the intelligence level until you... They want a celestial... Bring me a celestial. And and they're just going to make it more and more attractive. And they're going to drag you in. And at some point, they're going to become your warlock patron. And that's what they want. Because then every time that you get any sort of power, every time you level, they get power too. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. And then they get their promotion. And so I think that they're very upfront. And they when they say, hey, this is the rule, you follow the rule. And if you break it, they will come after you with the the fury of hell, right? Yeah. But but there it is. Like this is it. I think Faye, however, um, they come from a very different mindset where they want uh, the mundane seems weird to them. It's all flipped on its head, right? It's like I will give you all of this magic powder that I have. You'll be able to cast wish nine times a day. I don't care. Can I have buttons? <laughs> I like buttons. I don't know. Who came up with these little things sewed on that go through holes and are hold shit together? That's brilliant. Because we've just been using this alchemical shit over here just for years. And I like, it's boring. It's it's mundane. It's got like some fairy dust in it and like pixie spit and shit. Like I don't know. Pixie spit and shit. That's a good name for a for a punk metal band? I was gonna say a punk, punk album. Band. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. A punk album, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. So um so anyway, that's that that's fave for me. They're a little bit weird, but they also have solid rules. For example, if you break bread at their table, you owe them. So when they say come in for a rest, would you like something to eat? They want that from you. These are the rules, right? They'll never tell you their real name, and they may never show you their real form. If they have the ability to alter their self, they will. Yeah. And that's that's it. Like that's they're always trying to keep the truth. And they want to know your truth because if they get your real name, full name, 
the whole thing, titles included, including your birthplace, they have control over you and you have disadvantage on saves against charm. Even, cool. if, even if you're a gnome or an elf or whatever, I don't care. You made a deal with Faye. They know your shit. You should know better if you're an elf or a gnome as well. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> uh, make, make a check on that. Like, yeah. I'll give that shit to you, right? But And then when it comes to goblins, goblins absolutely 100% mean it in the moment. Yes, I will devote my life to you 100%. They also have ADD. And that's what it comes I down will to. devote my life to you 100%. Ooh, a bug. Well, <laughs> that, that's just it. As soon as the threat is over and you say, okay, you know what? We're not going to kill you. We're going to put you on a leash and you're going to be a little mascot, right? And then, and that's it. You're walking down the road, pulling your goblin pet on a rope. And, and then the moment that you tie that rope up to the tree, the goblin will sit there and be like, okay, I'm bored. So I'm just going to take all the spokes off of the carriage wheel. All right, and when I'm done with that, uh, I'm going to see how many times I can take your ancestral sword and and beat it against this rock. See how loud I can make the sound. You don't want to make a deal with a goblin because then you have a goblin around, <laughs> and that's just a pain in the fucking ass. And so that's my answer on goblins. Okay, Dave. You know, I think one of the biggest, or sorry, one of the, one of the things that I really like doing is. Uh, making deals with devils and trying to get out of them. Because normally, Adam, you've DM'd pretty much every devil deal that I've been a part of. There's yep. a reason for that. I know. He's he's good at it, and it drives me nuts. So when Creepily good at it. I know. It's what he's he, done it to me as well with some hags. I, I believe that. Yeah. but, but And I, then like started like teasing information as the campaign grew on. And I'm like... It was a good. It was a good. There was a good situation before with the hags. Hags are fey or devil, by the way, depending yeah. on my perspective. So yeah, but I, when I'm making a deal with the devil, I'm making a deal with Adam, who in this case is the devil, and and in other cases, and I, I feel like you're it, not it, insulting it, me, man. <laughs> it's an achievement in order to make that deal work in your favor. Uh, when you're making a deal with the devil, it's never going to work out for you, uh, no matter what you do. Do you know? Do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah. So when you do, it's almost like my personal mission. Oh, there's devils to make deals with? Oh, well, well, I'm going to pull one over on him. That's easy to do with a goblin. Honestly, I don't know a heck of a lot about fae, um, but I assume that you can probably make it work in your in your favor. Like you said, here's some buttons. That's great. Right. But then they're going to want all your buttons. And I do mean all. You had a couple fae that were just like, hair. Hair's great. I want all, all of your... Is that your, why you're bold? All of your hair. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll eat it because they they don't have a hair of their own. That makes sense. And to that's me. what you do with hair—you eat it. Well, why not? Yeah, right. It's like noodles. What were these things called? I, I don't remember what. Well, they're they're in. Uh, oh, they're they're um coreds. Coreds, yeah, yeah. So because they're they're just hair based fay. That's all they wanted was was to just eat more hair because then they'll grow more hair. That's that's weird. And like their final form is like cousin it. No, 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 no. Uh, they've just got like their the hair on their head and their beards. They they look like like just little leprechauns, really. But the hair on their head and their beards can be like fifteen feet long, and they can attack with it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And like bind people with it. But my thing was, if you can get them more hair, they will eat more hair, and then they will. This campaign, more. I was playing a minotaur, and Adam just like you went unconscious, and they shaved your eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> I was very happy. Nice. That's how that's how Faye work for me, right? Yeah. Like they just got weird requests. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'd even put like as 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 you said, hags are kinda in that in between. For me, genies and gin are in that in between yeah. as well. They could either 
ask for something really weird to grant you the wishes, or they could be letter of the law and will try to worm their way out of it as well. The other thing I want to say about Fae, not hags. Hags are their own, they have a special place in my heart. But every other Fae, when they make a deal, I don't know what their deal is until I've started speaking. They're completely reactionary and spur of the moment. So I don't know what they want. I know that there's a deal coming. And I'm going to sit there in the moment and say, okay, what can you see right now? Who is he with? There's a tiefling. There's a dragonborn. There is a dwarf. I want, I want a beard. I want a beard. It's, it's, it's a red dragonborn. I want you to just spit fire all over here. Write my name in fire. Write your name in fire. Oh God. Right. That and that's how I play too because I like I didn't think that through. It's just like here it comes. That's Faye. That's so there you go. <laughs> My Dragonborn character does that, gets halfway through the first three words, and then it's like crap, I got ten more. Uh, I need <laughs> oh, a rest. <laughs> and goblins, Dave? I, I mean goblins, they're it's I almost feel bad taking advantage of them. I know that's kind of what they're there for, but I mean I, I'm a good person, right? Well, you're half right. I'm good? You're a person. No, no, he isn't. No? <laughs> but it's it's low-hanging fruit, right? I mean, day one playing D&D, you were interrogating goblins, trying yeah. to make deals in order to... Oh, and, like, and, story and not just interrogating, like pulling toenails, right? Like you were uh, torturing that's goblins. That's advanced interrogation. I'm okay? sorry, yes. Right? Enhanced interrogation. Enhanced, yeah. In, in, enhanced persuasion? Is that... It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you're messing with hangnails and stuff, right? Oh, God. <laughs> we're back to that. No, we're not. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Dave. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Dan, and with me are Dave and Adam, and today we're talking about Avernus. Specifically, the lore around the top layer of the Nine Hells, Avernus. So just to be clear, we're not talking about necessarily the adventure campaign right we're talking about the location the setting essentially who's in it the tone what what you can expect if you were to go there even in a homebrew yeah so what we are doing is we're kind of setting this up so that you can run a homebrew out of it listen to this as kind of your sources for all the information you need to run the homebrew so all of the stuff from the uh baldur's gate descent into avernus book um, that is specifically around whatever the plot is in that book, uh, including the city El Terrell and all the stuff that happens in Baldur's Gate. We're not covering any of that today. This is not going to be spoilerific for people. This isn't going to be spoilerific for people. This is saying who's in the realm, what's in the realm, um, why is the realm, how is the realm, but not... Pretty warm. Uh, it, it's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, it's also pretty gross. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to get into it. Um, and then, of course, in our typical It's a Mimic fashion, we'll roll some dice and answer some questions. So, right off the bat, we are going to talk more about the landscape, the rules, uh, and the tone of Avernus. Okay, so before we go any further, if you're like, okay, so is this demons? Is it devils? What are we doing here? We did have all those specials on fiends. Yep. Right? I covered all of the devils. All of the devils. I went through every freaking one of them. And on top of that... I did one on the Nine Hells where I went layer by layer through it, but really kind of the broad strokes of it. Yeah. So we're going to be hitting um, some specifics now. So uh, those were episode 39, I believe, was the number? 25. 25. 
It, yeah. It's one of those numbers, Dan, yes. If, if you see the letter F in the title, go with those ones. It, it, that's yeah. where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are 25A through F, I think. Yeah. So um, so real quick, uh, Avernus used to be a paradise. It was a wondrous, uh, lush uh, land created by Asmodeus to tempt mortals to come and venture into the top layer of hell. For those of you who don't know... Asmodeus, not Asmodeus, you fuck. Asmodeus, he's not Mozart. No, that's Amadeus. Right. He's Asmodeus. That just drives me up the wall. But both. No, he's not. God damn it. I'm going to just get so angry in this episode about pronunciation. Listen. Oh, I'm in trouble. You're in trouble, yeah. <laughs> so, um, he is the big bad boss of hell. He yeah. he used to be an, uh, an angel, a celestial. And he has just wheeled and dealed his way up into the prime spot in in the nine health. He is the arch devil that arch devils fear. He is deific level. Yes, he's a god. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he has murdered other gods and stolen their powers, and so he is one of the most powerful gods. He is the bad guy of D and D. Uh, I think there are other when you get to like old gods and and uh, chained gods like there's Dune and and those guys. As- Asmodeus is is by definition the smartest, the most tactical, and the most powerful of all gods. Hard stop in D and D. Yeah, I know that shocked me when I found out too because there feels like there are some that should be able to go toe to toe. Well, I, I I'd say there is a certain amount. Of that, yes, but like his concern isn't so much with, um, I mean he's 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 a god and he can't really grasp where his mind is, but he's not so far concerned with the material plane as he is against the demons invading his realm. That's his biggest concern, and he even sets up command over all of the planes, specifically uh, sets up archdevils who are targeting demons. That is their main concern, is taking out demons through the Blood War, which I was going to get to. So, uh, Asmodeus. Asmodeus. There you go. Got to say it carefully now. Uh, Asmodeus set up this land initially to tempt mortals in and set up all the nine hells in a way to kind of not punish, but just uh, extract souls from the uh, mortals throughout uh, all of the material planes and all of the other planes, to be honest. Um, he set up this realm. And then the river sticks broke in. And with the river sticks came demons. And with those demons came more demons. And with those demons came more demons. And the lush, beautiful landscape of Avernus was twisted and changed into the front lines for the blood war, which is devils versus demons for all eternity. Now, uh, it has changed this lush ground into a ever-shifting mire of cyst and bone and gore and fire. Um, it's it's disgusting. It's uh, um, impossible to map. Um, there, There's stories of people who have tried to map Avernus and went mad with the effort. Um to the point where they even provide, with the Descent into Avernus thing, they provide a map of Avernus. That is a very loose map. The distances there are not actually what it is. There's not the same amount of space between the points. It shifts. It changes. I Things freaking move. love that. Unreliable maps are one of the best things. And it is populated with 
Um, evil mortals. Uh, devils, of course. Demons, definitely. Um, evil other fiends, like Rakshasa and Yugoloths. You're going to get the odd night hag up at this level as well. There's quite a lot of hags that find their way down here. Um, there's there's um, even Tiamat has made of Vernus her home. Well, not on purpose. Not on that. That's a different podcast, but yes. Yes. Tiamat's there. And then her followers and her cults have a nice little area by her spawning pools there. So there are certain things inside of Avernus that all add to this. Um, there is no day or night in Avernus. It is constant red sooty air that is just oppressive and, uh, in fact, causes a certain amount of exhaustion amongst your party if you're in it for too long, right? Um, you kind of have to guess how long the day is gone so that you could take your long rest again, right? So it, it's kind of got all of that uh, put on. Um, there are living cysts the size of mountains. There are um, bone piles. There are, uh, um, due to eons upon eons of war, there are entire uh, mountain ranges made of scrap metal and bone where you know that episode um, in Game of Thrones the Battle of the Bastards right where, where they're I mean, it's one of the famous ones yeah. yeah but at some point they're just fighting on top of bodies they're climbing a hill of bodies think about a mountain range of that shit beside the river Styx where the demons are coming in and the devils are sitting there waiting on the other side of the bodies and the, the mountain range just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and this is what you're dealing with with Avernus. It because it's the front lines. It's the front lines. Add also onto the fact that the demons are an endless horde. The demons' answer to war is just to send more bodies. Now the devil side of things is far more ordered, far more uh, regimented. Uh, to the fact where they uh, the um, the devilish hordes have. Um, like titles for their legions as they go through that have a number and a phrase that denote what they do. Um, and devils who gain power and lose power through their dealings um, and their competency in the war and fighting for Asmodeus. Um, Thank you, Dane. Uh, often go from leading a legion to being a Lemur. Yep, yeah, you're good. So I'm, I'm going to double check every time. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of words. There's like a coekoek or whatever it is, which is another version of a demon. The, um, the croactoic? The croactoic, yeah. What'd you call it? Coekatech? Coekatech. <laughs> it's got like two apostrophes and he, only he, O's, he, E's, and C's. He's going to launch the, the Mayan apocalypse here. Oh, Cut yeah, probably. Some of this shit. Yeah, Cthulhu's going to come out. Yeah. yeah. Cthulhu? <laughs> oh, fuck off, God, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Oh, man, it's been a while. <laughs> All right. Yeah, continue, Dan. Uh, so uh, add all of this onto the fact that they've had eons of incredibly intelligent fe- uh, fiends, incredibly intelligent evil mortals, and liches, and dragons, and everything all together. So, of course, they've also got some really weird advanced technology in the form of infernal engines. Now, these come in multiple forms from motorbikes to full on. Massive dump tank. trucks, right? Like, like dump trucks mixed with tanks, mixed with grinders. I did a deep dive on the latest of the fiends into the infernal machines as yeah. well. So, if people are looking for this, the specifics, they're there. Um, but yeah, that shit's 
It's, it's and, amazing. And there's a lot of Mad Max Fury Road level shit happening throughout all of Avernus. Where you will be walking along and all of a sudden a dude on a soul coin powered, which we'll get to that in a minute, soul coin powered motorcycle hops off and grinning slowly runs you in with his sword, gets back on his bike and rides off into the sunset. Why? Oh, you were there. Like there's just what happening in Avernus, and and it's it's kind of we've talked about how there are uh, funhouse dungeons you could get in. The entire thing is a funhouse. If it is profane or twisted or a bit on the bad side of the Joker from Batman, it's gonna be in Avernus. Now right? this is just the again the first. Level. This is just of the, the first hell. level of the house, right? Because the other ones can be far. Some of them are far more orderly. Yeah. Right. One of them is all about ice and cold. The next level down, Dees is is one big city, mm-hmm. right? And it's a massive city that's nestled in and around uh, this mountain range. It's the second biggest city in all of like Dungeons and Dragons Quote, unquote, and quotations, um, behind only the city of Brass, I believe. Uh, it depends on your edition, but yeah. Yeah, okay. There are a Which couple- is the fire plane. I mean, do you include uh, Ravnica? Do you include Sharn? It depends on, yeah. on where you're going with this, yeah. right? So I typically don't include Ravnica. I don't know why. It just It's a card game. Why is it in my D&D? Understand it's people. wonderful and full I, of amazing lore. I'm going to back You are missing him. out. It is I know. So I know. Good. It, it, is, is, it is a blind that's spot That's it. We're doing a Ravnica episode instead of Avernus. <laughs> I'm not prepared for Ravnica. <laughs> I know. Prepare yourself. <laughs> so anyways, um, I just wanted to come over. Uh, sorry. I just wanted to discuss a couple of the really interesting locations found within Avernus. Now that we've kind of talked about it's this hellish landscape, kind of Fury Road meets a plane of cysts. Um, and blood and gore and aeons upon aeons of war. You can't walk anywhere without stepping onto bone, blood, gore, a demon icker, which there's a mechanic for demon icker in the book, which I is badass. I missed hearing you say icker, Dan. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what was my other Baleful one? Howl. Baleful Howl. Baleful Howl and uh, Viscera. There we go. There you go. You happy? Uh, no, but yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, hold, hold on. Uh, you're you're going to do a couple of, of landscape things. Yeah. Can I jump in for a second? Sure. I want to talk really briefly about the River Styx because it's a huge factor here. Yeah. Okay, the River Styx runs through all of the lower plains and it flows from Chaotic through to Law. Yeah. Okay. Yugoloths um, are the boatmen mm-hmm. that can guide you and they're really the only ones that can guide uh, you down the River Styx. The River Styx is so important because if you touch it or drink from it, you start to lose sense of self and it will wipe you clean if you spend too much time in and with the water right so you really do need to rely on these mercenaries for hire and they actually have one that's based on a boatman again all this is in those those fiends episodes but um when you have a mortal soul enter the afterlife and end up in the lawful evil they end up in the first level of hell when they pass they have to pass through the river sticks to get to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And if they can, if they have the coins on their eyes or whatever it is they can offer to the, uh, to the Yugoloths, then they can get across. Otherwise they wade through it and lose all sense of themselves. And they come out the other side as these little melted fleshy l- lemures, right? which is so. your base level devil. And any one of these things can be, 
um, can be promoted up to the next level of devil, which is, I believe, imp. And then it goes up and up and up and up and up, right? Yeah, to like chain devil, barb devil, uh, uh, all the way up, devil. all the way up to the pit devil, right? So, <coughs> so. Um, anyone who is, but you have to be lawful evil to be here. If you're not 100% lawful evil, you end up in any of the other lower planes. Mm -hmm. This is the only way that you can get promoted up because when you become a a mayonnaise for, um, mayonnaise, not mayonnaise, calm down, Dan. You you got that hungry (laughs) look in your eyes. I like mayo. So if you become a mayonnaise, which is on any other plane, which is the demon side, by going through this exact same process, you don't get promoted. That's what you are. And you are murdered and you will respawn in 2d4 days or whatever it is. And that's your existence. That's your existence forever. Lemures can get better. The more evil, the more lawful you are, the faster you will climb the ranks. Yeah. Now, what this also means is now that there, because there is a fiendish hierarchy amongst the devils, there is a lot of clawing back up and down that ladder for power. Right. As long as you follow the rules. As long as you follow the rules, which are kind of ill-defined in some respects as well, because there's a lot of backstabbing going along. along. Right. But, but it's, it's like, I'm going to make a contract with your subordinate over here, making them have to, because of the contract, backstab you in some way, which will lower your standing of those who are above both of us, and they will promote me above you, and then I will be in charge of you. So, as Modius loves this kind of shit, because yeah. it keeps everybody in fear of, and and reporting, right? Like, yeah. this is this is the, um, what was it in World War II where you report on your neighbors? Do you remember what it was? I don't know. No, okay. So, this is, every citizen is in fear and looking around for everyone else to be breaking the rule to drop them down a level. So law is so freaking important, which is why it's so bizarre that uh, Avernus is such a chaotic landscape. That guy that just rode up on the motorcycle stabbed you because you were there. I mean, he's on patrol, though, right? Yeah. And he's looking to get as many kills as possible compared to others. And he doesn't give a shit about what you have to offer unless it's better than the current deal. Yeah. What do, what do you have, right? The idea of these giant, like, mountain-sized boils and cysts and shit yeah. that are popping up. This is the River Sticks bringing the demonic influence and the chaos in, yeah. right? And so it used to be on the other planes. It used to be in the Abyss. That was the front lines. And then the River Sticks broke through, right? And now it's here, and the devils are not happy about it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the setting for why it is in this lawful evil plane. Why is there so much chaos on this level? And that that's it's the why. demons. Well, that, and the other thing, the river sticks. The other thing is like the the floating fireballs that just like blow you the fuck up out of nowhere. Yeah, like, it is very chaotic. Meteors just fall from the sky and take you out. Yeah, it feels a lot like limbo in a lot of ways. Yeah, I could see that. Um, there's there's also beyond the devils, beyond the demons, beyond these other uh, little types of faith uh, and fiends. There are other kind of creations that have been coalesced from the agony and the despair brought by mortal souls onto this realm, right? You are in hell. Don't get it twisted. You are in the top level of hell. So there's a lot of suffering going on around you and not just from fiends, from mortal souls themselves. And those souls, that suffering, are all coalesced into a item called a soul coin. Now, this is very important. There's a lot of different ways to create soul coins, um, but 
the soul coins are the main currency. They are the main power source. They are the lifeblood of the hells. Um, you don't operate one of these infernal engines without a soul coin. Um, most deals will in some way, shape, or form involve your soul in the form of a soul coin at the end of the day. Like, this, but the scary thing about soul coins are they go into these infernal machines and they don't come out. It no. burns through your soul to oblivion, right? Like, you don't just get... Go back into the system, right? As at the low point, yeah. This this wipes you clean. And we mentioned earlier the river sticks, and this is why this is one of the reasons why the um, infernal legions, who are numbered, there is a finite amount of the infernal legions. Um, one of the reasons why they've been able to stand for aeons against the demons and their endless hordes is because they have several large. Um, uh, foundries almost over the river sticks itself which the river sticks is a river of souls is really what it comes down to and they are pulling these souls straight out of the river sticks and turning them into coins is that in the yeah. book yeah yeah because every until this book it was just the waters of the river sticks so yeah so they are pulling these souls out there Using them to power these massive fortresses that float through the um, through the entire plane. Um, this is where the uh, Lord Regent of Avernus, a fallen angel by the name of Zeriel, um, kind of runs the place. Is from one of these massive floating fortresses that is among a. There's several of these fortresses. Hers is by far the biggest and and and. Uh, um, most imposing, but a lot of these things are just floating around and uh, you can randomly come across them. Just like Infernal Engines, they're just bigger versions of these Infernal Engines. Are some souls worth more than others? Yes. So you can get like premium grade coins for your... your if you were to have a, a soul a soul that is worth more than others, let's, let's, say, let's say you want to turn Vecna into a soul coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just going to, it's not going to necessarily, I wouldn't have it be like uh, ultra high test power. You would just get more soul coins. You would just get more out of that soul. So, you know, when you're playing Sonic and he hits something sharp and just erupts in coin. Yeah, that's basically what you do with Vecna. He just erupts in hundreds upon hundreds of soul coins. Sure, makes sense. Right? So, there's those. There are also uh, echoes of, uh, this is another one of these locations that is found in Avernus. There are echoes of the Grandier. And the paradise that this once was, but it's been twisted by the aeons of um, of war and death and suffering um, in these forms of bone brambles, which is the closest you get to a forest in Avernus. And these things are typically uh, ash-white trees that bleed red. The grounds themselves are uh, um, barren, bony lands, like barren, bony undergrowth. Throughout these things with twisting bony uh, um, roots coming from these trees. We're going to take a bet to see how many more times you can say bony. There's a bunch of bony spurs sticking out of the trees uh, that are sharpened to uh, absolute spikes. And these groves and these forests are manned by the floating ghosts and, and the disembodied uh, dead. Is that it weird that I want to go here? here? 
This sounds really cool. Oh, wait like, wait for next week. You're heading if, there, bud. If you guys want a real world kind of picture of this, I saw this I saw this funny enough today on It's Reddit. called Australia? No, no. It's called the Dark uh the Dark Forest in Northern Ireland. It is exactly what I picture this to be. It is just mangled, densely packed white trees that look like the trees themselves are here to kill you. The other thing that I put in with them, you talk about paradise. Um, you, have you guys seen Fantasia? Like the, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Okay. So um, there's one segment in it where they've got uh, all the centaurs running around with each other, right? And they've got the, the Roman columns and whatnot. That's what I imagine Elysium to be. Yep. Um, however, I also imagine Avernus to be the exact same thing, only it has fallen to ruin. So you do find these these Roman columns or the, the Greek-style uh, gazebos that, that they would have, these open air or the, the um, like, auditoriums almost. Yep. You would run across one of these things that's just been defiled and desecrated and, dest- like, half-destroyed. You're going to find bits and pieces of this as well. If you want to inject the concept of the history of Avernus, mm-hmm. that's how I would do it as well. If, if that's going to be a major plot point. Otherwise, they're just walking through the, the White Forest. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't have the flavor it should. Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of this stuff needs to be exposition from an NPC because your players won't necessarily automatically know this shit. You'll describe this really cool thing, but they're not going to understand the meaning behind it. So you need to inject more to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, there's also, I mentioned earlier, these massive, you know, mountain-sized cysts. There's something called the Bleeding Citadel, which is built on top of one of these cysts. I like the idea of cutting one open or having, like, a pus volcano. Uh, no, literally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, in fact... I like the idea of it also, like, deflating, like, a whoopee cushion and makes that noise as the city on top just kind of, like, topples and falls. Or just deflates into it. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, no, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, in the base of one of these where, like, the Bleeding Citadel is, which the Bleeding Citadel is kind of another one of those seats of power within. Um, it is where Zeriel's sword is held, um, which uh, is important because she's a fallen angel and it's her angelic sword. Um, there is, in the basement of this, one of those Croic... Croic-toic? Croic-toic. No, no Croic-Croics. There's no T in it. Is there? If you're talking about Yinagu's pet, yeah, the the Croic Toad, yeah, because there's only one, yeah, and it's not it's not the kind of demon he is. That's his name. That's his name. Yeah, and he's the only one like that. So uh, the Croic Toic is known to be there, um, as well as you know Yinagu's forces on Avernus kind of make that area their home as well. I freaking love Yinagu. Oh, Yinagu's one of my favorite demon princes. Yeah, Croic Toic, Croic Toic, yeah. It's rough. It is really rough. There's a pronunciation guide. Wait, what's Asmodeus? Asmodeus. Or Asmodeus. No. Either or. No, mine's That's, right. It says it right in the book. Yeah. Mine's right. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, anyways, um, on top of all this, uh, these locations, I mean, you get, you kind of get the feel and the tone of this place. So, let's talk about a couple of the rules that they've brought in uh, through the Descent into Avernus book that kind of c- can help you enforce this tone. Um, there are uh, daily exhaustion rolls. There are, if you are not lawful evil, roll a wisdom save every day. And if you are, uh, if you fail that save, you are turned to be lawful evil 
as an alignment for your character, and that would change all your motivations for your character. And if you stay in the um, uh, in Avernus for one d four days, that becomes permanent. So don't fail that wisdom save, kids. Right? Uh, there is the uh, entire soul coin rule set, which will um, really help your characters gain wealth and uh, notoriety within the uh, planes of Avernus. Um, and then there's basic dealing with devils. Other than that, and like the infernal engines and how to build your own infernal engines, there's it, it's very Mad Max. No two infernal engines are the same. So this really reminds me, I'm going to, this is an old video game that I used to play on, I think the 360. It's called Brutal Legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Jack Black voices of it's Jack very, Black. It's character. very Brutal Legend yeah. inspired. Yeah. Uh, great game. Very, 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 very good game. Anyways, so guys, we've talked about the tone. We've talked about some of these rules. We've talked about the general locations here. Does this interest you at all as a player? Are we, are we rolling it? We're going to roll for this. Okay. Does this interest you as a DM, as a player, and why? Okay. Got a seven. Eighteen. Five. Adam. Uh, hard fucking yes. You don't say. Uh, well, the Tuesday group is currently working through the first three layers of hell. That is what my, my, oh, my moved, evil campaign is. They've moved into hell. Yeah. I'm a shrub right now. He, yeah. the I'm sorry. The Court of Flesh has polymorphed him into an awakened shrub. They've also pulled the bones and then made a bone prison for the flesh and organs of the cleric in the party. Uh, the sorcerer that's a yuan has been um, reincarnated uh, at the... Uh, as a human. Yeah, as a human, as a tap of a staff. That's just a power that they get, right, in the court of flesh. This is all happening on Dece right now. So they have yet to get to Avernus. It's on the fucking list. Yeah. And they're going to get to the court of fallen there right by the time that that this airs you guys will be there's just a spoiler for dave but um let's talk more well, let me go well, meta game how to we, get through we this. should mention so. we haven't yet really and it's a bit of a disservice we've done to it there's a lot of angels and celestials on avernus as well because it is where the blood war is held and the celestials have tried to intercede and thus have sent their armies down and are often overwhelmed by the well fates. both zeriel and asmodeus you happy? It's Asmodeus. It's right in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so get it right. Uh, both of them were once angels. They were once celestials. Yeah. And so the idea that there are a lot here as well, because that that's how Asmodeus became the king of hells, right? He ended up making a deal with the gods on Mount Celestia, and that's why he was given the power. And he just turned around and backstabbed and said, "Didn't read the fine print." Yeah. Right. Uh, and so he's he's this corrupting force. There are all sorts of celestials down here. They just don't stay lawful good for long. My 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 favorite aspect of the celestials in this realm, just to just interject, is uh, hell wasp nests. Yes, which are kept aloft by the cocooned uh, angels and celestials in these hell wasp like nests that are like chained to the ground and whatnot. They're held up by these, the wings sticking out of the cocoons trying to get out. And they're just hovering these nests around as these angels stuck in this nest, hold them aloft. It's, it's the most metal thing. I, I've, I've everything in here is, is yeah, super this, metal. This, this is, this is the cover of a, uh, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden album. album. I was yeah. thinking death clock, but okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, no, I'm, 
Yes, I would want to. I would want to be here as a DM. Absolutely, there's a bunch of options in here. I love the idea of going physically down through the hells as well. Like there will be fucking ladders into pits. Yeah, you can physically descend through the hells. These ladders are ten miles long, and you will have to make many checks to get down. But they're there. I love going to the nine hells because um, the river Styx is gnarly, and I love it. And it, I, I don't pull punches when I'm in the nine hells as well, right? That's a lot of the fun, too. When you go to the hells, you know you're in over your head. As a player, I don't know, man. I can't think of a single class that I would want to take down here. Maybe the Artificer now because of the Infernal Engines. Maybe. But for uh, Warlock. Uh, <laughs> Only to get a face-to-face with their patron. It depends on which Warlock, yeah. right? But I'm not I'm I'm not stoked about I'm not stoked about having a monk or a a sorcerer or a wizard come down here for any reason. Not not to not to Avernus. There are other layers in hell that definitely I would go to. But I mean short of a paladin on a holy mission or a warlock who wants to meet his leather daddy, I don't know which one like what other class that you would you would have go down to Avernus to just hang out. This is a transitive place. You come in Crossing the river sticks, and you head to the nearest way down to Dees. Or you ended up here by accident, and you need to get the fuck out. Right. And because it's after sh- ever shifting and uh, unmappable. Yeah. Like, congratulations, it, you're lost. And there's a lot of creatures who are lost in this realm. One of the things that I myself would do as a DM, and this is what excites me, is I would build a hex crawl for it. And I would have each one of the hexes, like a hundred hexes, each one of them has a number. And we put it up on the wall, and when you enter that hex, I roll percentile dice to see which hex you get. And now that goes on the map. Yeah. Because it's just crazy random bullshit like that, right? And that's... I think that would that's the fun of Avernus for me, so... Okay. So absolutely 100%, yes, I would go there. As a DM, as a player, I'm... <sighs> I don't need to be lawful stupid inside Avernus, and I don't need to get get spanked by my leather daddy there, right? <laughs> you I bet do the, that at home, right? Well, I bet they've yeah. got a lot of Dan's furniture in there. That's uh, yeah. I was kind of thinking that's what that's who goes down there. That's Just where Terry's fun. been for the past. That is why Dan started this episode by saying, "Let's strap in," and now that's got to stay in the episode. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Anyways. Um, for me, as a DM and a player, both I would love to be in Avernus uh, and for an extended stay as well. Um, I Because there's so much inside of Avernus, it is the front lines for the Blood War. So you could have an entire campaign based around the Blood War and how it's spilling into the material plane. And then you have to f- go to Avernus to, to solve it. Close portals. To close or portals or something. Help right? the devils. Tiamat being based out of uh, out of Avernus, sort of, um, is a huge draw for a good or an evil campaign. It doesn't really matter. Going to the spawning pools to get, like, some primordial dragon egg. Like, this, this would be fantastic for a campaign. Um, having a, a group of Celestials who deem your party worthy to join them in the fight down there. And to... to reclaim the past beauty of the uh, Nine Hells away from Asmodeus and Zeriel and their control, right? Have some sort of celestial outpost where goodness actually reigns in the Hells. 
Like having stuff like that is incredibly interesting to me, not only as a DM, but as a player. Um, my only problem with Avernus um, and specifically the Nine Hells is it is the most supported through pulp culture of all of the planes. It's uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing, but it also means if your players go plane jumping, they're probably going to swing by hell. I would say that that the the chaos, the not the elemental chaos, but the elemental planes are pretty well explored as well. But yeah. you're you're right of the of the outer ring of of freaking alignment based planes. Yeah. There's not many people hanging out in Elysium or Hades or Pandemonium. Right? Or the Happy Hunting Ground or Mount Celestia. Like, Mount Celestia you're going to get a little bit as well because it's the lawful good. Hey, we're yeah, it's gonna be the, it's, it's going to be the Nine Hells, Limbo, and probably the Abyss. Right? That's where people are going to go. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing all of those play into effect in some way, shape, or form in a campaign. Um, and, and have more, you know, official published support. Other than, like, a paragraph in the DMG? See, uh, that's not a complaint about Avernus, though. That's not a complaint about Avernus. It is is more a complaint about the other things. And is one of the reasons why, if I was to do Avernus, I would definitely, because I've established that plane travel is now a thing, I would be looking into going to the other planes as well. And that's just not as well supported as it is with the first plane, the first layer of the Nine Hells. Well, you see, yes, you are correct in this. My big thing is that the book that they released gets you levels 1 to 13. Yeah. 14 and beyond can be one of the other planes or many of the other planes or another layer of hell or whatever it is. It gives you a good foothold. Yeah. And I really like the idea of getting halfway through this campaign and then spiraling out to something radically different. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that one. So that's me. I, I, I It interests me. But I would definitely use it as a as a jumping post, right? Like it it is a starting point for me. Dave, the reason I like it as a DM is the same reason that I don't like it as a player, and that's that there's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, uh, no, I get to, and it it, it kind of changes what you know and flips it all around, and you know your guys might be used to uh, being only on the material plane. I mean, I never really got into planar travel until i was you know over a decade playing D, but it really changes things up a lot and it really kind of flips it over as a player i don't mind little stints going down there and doing that but i don't i don't want to relearn a culture i don't want to relearn rules i don't want to relearn how everything works especially like there are rules in this book that twist how your spells work yeah, I, I that do. should happen on every plane. You are I, absolutely no. right. I agree with you. And, and as a player, I hate it. As a, a DM, DM, I love it. It's great. It's wonderful. It's but a as a player, it's infuriating. Yeah, it is. It, it, like it if, changes what you were trying to do with your player, and, and it can flip it around. I, I don't see it being any different than playing in the Forgotten Realms for three years and then playing in Eberron. You're rewriting the rules enough that you know even Dwarvish doesn't necessarily apply to Dwarves anymore. Right, that is hard baked into Eberron. So no, if you're I see it switching as being the from Forgotten thing. Realms to Eberron, you're starting a new campaign. Yeah, but if you are going, if you are playing for three or four years, and then you jump into this book, it starts at level one. You're starting a new campaign. Well, I'm not. I'm not even saying coming into this campaign. You mean the this book campaign itself. setting? You could come into here after you've played a four year game. Why? Why the hell not? 
Well, you can do the Nebron too. You can, you can do that to Eberron you, as well. You can but, walk through a portal and but bang like, you're there. The thing that keeps on coming to my mind is like if you have that uh, one arcane trickster rogue who lost his arm because of story reasons, probably the Gnome Archer took it out, um, you know, two years ago, and has been using his mage hand as a, as a phantom limb, all of a sudden he's coming to Avernus and now that phantom limb is fiendish? And just, like, it smells a little bit, like sulfur. Like, you cast your mage hand, and this burst of brimstone hits your nose. Yeah, man, that's just, awesome. That That's awesome. As a player, say, if that didn't fit the tone I was going, that would annoy the hell out of me and make me want to leave. So think of it this way. When we were just... We just got transported to... Uh, it was a big brass statue of of an of, of an camion. imp named Camion, and uh, we were inside of it. And when we got there, everybody we knew that we were in one of the hells. We didn't know where, but like yeah. as players, maybe not as characters, but as players, we knew we were there. And we all kind of like stopped, and and we froze, and we didn't know what to do, and we were afraid to make even the most mundane of actions because we didn't know how it was going to affect us. As a DM, I love watching my players squirm. Know what? As a planar, planar I don't like squirming. <laughs> 100% with you. Planar travel should do that. I remember we've gone to the Feywild in our <laughs> yeah. campaign. Yeah, and you were shut up blind. We spent the first half of an like session blind. And like Adam was dropping down battle maps where just like colors were just thrown on a board, right? And we're like, okay, so we're everything's foggy because we're all blind and overwhelmed by the sensory input of the Feywild. And then after we spent a little bit of time, he swapped the battle maps out for one that was a little bit more clear. And they just got clearer and clearer and clearer. And the thing was that there was a battle map to start with in the Prime Material plane. And the final Feywild plane was exactly the same, but the plants were bigger and they were brighter colors. Yeah. And they were kind of deadly. This one's poison, and this one is nine times the... the but that's because the Feywild is also one of those mirror planes that's supposed to do that. Avernus doesn't have that bounds to it. Mm-hmm. It's just insanity, Mad Max, go nuts. Right? So, like, it should sh- jar you. I don't even see insanity, Mad Max, go nuts right away. I think that if you're going to, like, plane shift there, and you're not really sure where exactly you're going to land. You just walk through a portal and bam, you're you're in Avernus. You're in a wasteland. And in the distance, you can see the mountain breathing? Yeah. What the shit is that about? And then a fireball just explodes beside you and you hear the roar of a sound you've never heard before. Machine. Right? And this is like, that's the jarring nature of, of coming here. And I think that if you're going to go to the Nine Hells... Do not miss Avernus. Yeah. Start there or at least visit there on the way Spe- out. Stay a while. Right? Like, you you should, but also get out quick. What noise do you think these infernal machines make? Do they make, like, the, the rumble of an internal combustion <laughs> engine? Or, or is it just like a... <laughs> as it goes past. Like, what? And it's going to be so much fun to edit. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like what? What? Sorry, I'm off on a tangent here. No, no, no. That that, that that's a great question because <laughs> now I'm, I'm thinking about like what the hell? Like I I, I always imagine like it, it's it it's, revs up slowly and it starts to go and then just faster, 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 faster as the flesh parts hit each other. And then maybe there's some wet noises. Can we not? Can we just? 
Can we not on the podcast do that thing that you just both partook in? Um, Terry's gonna be I upset was, he missed this one. I was going to say it's like a V14 engine, no muffler. Like it, it's just like oh, there's a muffler. <laughs> what? What? What's no, no, no. Okay. No, no. no. All right. No, I think you're thinking about a fluffer. They're, they're two different things. So we're gonna go to a commercial. <laughs> Hey guys, Dan here with It's a Mimic. We are having another mailbag episode, uh, mailbag number seven, um, on March 19th. And we are still looking for a couple uh, questions. We will answer anything under the sun. You, If you've heard the other ones, you know this. You know this well. So hit us at info at itsamimic.com and we'll throw them on the sheets. Thanks, guys. Okay, so we've talked about the landscape. We've talked about the... Manscape. The manscape. We've talked about the... Uh, weird vehicles the, the ever-shifting quality of this but let's be completely honest Avernus is more than just the ground you're walking on and the locations you're visiting it's the people and it's the monsters so I want to talk about a little bit of the weird unique monsters that are present and some of the major players that are present inside of Avernus uh, so we're just going to work at the top start at the top and work our way down um so right away we do have uh and we got to mention him because he's going to be overreaching in all of this is uh asmodeus um he is the one who created it aeons past when it was a paradise to tempt mortals in he is the one who has seen it become corrupted by the blood war he is the one that uh set up all of the leadership here and has the entire Fiendish armies following his command. Uh, he's not going to really be here, but there's nothing stopping him from making a visit, right? Especially when you have as important as location as the front lines of this conflict, which is run by his probably favorite of all of the other arch devils. Mm, I don't know. He's got a few. He's got a few, but this one he feels a lot of kinship with because Zeriel is another fallen angel who has... Um, I'm not sure that he has affection for anything. I think that if anything, he will understand this journey and know how to manipulate this even further for his women will. And that is that is Asmodeus. He, I, 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 no, I, I could agree with you. If there was affection, it would be for Zeriel. At, at best, this is Jafar and Iago. At best. Uh, sure. No, I, I'm with you just because Asmodeus is the, he's the big evil. Yeah. There's no shred of redemption available to him. No. Um, but there is to Zeriel. Uh, Zeriel is not fully wrapped in her corruption yet. And let's be completely honest, if you're going to be doing Avernus, you'll see that storyline unfold. So Zeriel is the fallen angel sent, uh, well, she herself was forbidden to come from Mount Celestia to kind of attack and uh, and uh, fight in the blood war to put a, the end to all the fiends. Um, so she instead rebelled against Mount Celestia, grabbed up her own army, came down here, fought a little bit, and then because she rebelled and had already had that s mustard seed of uh, doubt and I, I don't know for another word but sin in her life she became Zeriel she fell as uh, and became this arch devil that runs this place um, however to become the arch devil she had to remove somebody and that's when we have our second in command Bell Bell is 
In, an interesting pronunciation. That's B H A A L. No, it's B E L. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Bell is the uh, former ruler of Avernus, um, and he so very much wants that seat of power back. He hates Zeriel. With every fiber of his being, his sole goal is to get his seat of power back. And here's this angel bitch taking it from him. Bell, um, and and that when she took it from him, that was supported by the higher ups. Yeah, like he was fucking ousted, and he's not happy about it. Right. So Bell is been told to be an advisor to Zeriel as the former ruler, um, and has been told by. The higher ups, which let's be honest, the higher ups is as Mo- is as Modius, um, has been told that he has to help her in any way possible. So he's going to, but that doesn't mean he's not going to scheme behind her back. Now, underneath Bell are the legions of devils and their normal hierarchy all the way through, from the pit fiends all the way to the Lemures. Um, there's a couple named pit fiends in this area, but to be completely honest, they're not big enough movers or shakers to really mention here. Um, but what there are on top of the devilish hordes, there are also the demons and the demons in Avernus. There's a few demon princes that have called this place not necessarily home, but definitely their stomping grounds. Yeah, it's their vacation spot. It's a vacation spot, and you have some like. Yanogu is here. Um, Baphomet's wandering Baphomet's around. wandering around. Gratst make his, makes his appearance occasionally. That makes a lot of sense thematically with the angelic nature of Gratst as well. Yeah. Um, and in Avernus, there's a couple of new... Um, what, like generals? No, there's a couple of new demons that have made their uh, um, presence known. Uh, namely, uh, the demon prince Kostishishi. I'm sorry? Yeah, I can't... Koschichi. Koschichi. Demon lord worshipped by some frost giants? Yeah, so he is a uh, demon lord who is kind of like a squat uh, hill giant is what he's described as, or like mixture between an ogre. Um, and he is bound in one of these areas called uh, Koschichi's Maw, where he's bound, and Zeriel has bound him there and is using his weapon. He's got this massive fuck-off hammer that is Ariel's favorite weapon. So do I. Um, so there's there's a couple of those guys. But beyond the demon princes, beyond the hordes of demons themselves, beyond the archfiends and the uh, fiendish legions, there are a bunch of movers and shakers that don't quite fit the mold here. There's Tiamat. There is uh, Archon the Cruel, who is the uh, red dragonborn paladin of Tiamat. Um popularized by uh, Joe Manganiello in Critical Role, who has been put in this book um, now. He is the wielder of the Hand of Vecna. Um, he's got a lot of story. There's his whole coterie that's around him, which includes a death cleric tortle and a minotaur barbarian. Um, not to mention all of the hordes of cultists of Tiamat that have found their way down here to the spawning pools. Um, and, of course, Tiamat herself. You're going to find a lot of chromatic dragons in Avernus. You are. Tons of them. Um, you are also going to find, uh, with the Infernal Engines and Wastelands and Mad Max feel, that's just not right unless you have war gangs 
And who else to lead the war gangs than warlords? So there are the warlords of Avernus who run their own little gangs and vie for power. They're usually subservient to one or the other side of the blood war, but also have their own political mess happening in between. And these are like the, uh, these are the leader of the Knucklebones, the Night Hag, Mad Maggie, who has her, uh, uh, flesh golem that comes that follows her around everywhere named Mikey, which I friggin' love. Uh, there's Raga Draga, who is a war uh, war uh, sorry a wear boar, um, who is part of this as well. There's also and I'm just gonna go down the list here. Um, Bitter breath, a demoted wingless voiceless horn devil, a uh, human archmage necromancer named Feonor. There is a shamed chain devil who has broken the uh, the infernal hierarchy and started the his chain of command, as yeah, you might say. Yeah, uh, named Princeps Kovic. Um, and I miss Terry. On top of all of this, there is Mahadi, and Mahadi is the Rakshasa. Is that your wife? Is that what you call her? Mahadi. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Mahadi, who is a Rakshasa, runs what is called the Wandering Emporium, which is a moving uh, bazaar of merchants and crafters. And if Gnomes. there's anything in the multiverse that you need to buy, he will have it and he will give it to you for a price. And keep in mind, he is a super evil fiendish Rakshasa. So it, it's the this cool little uh, thing there. So there's also things like Sibriex floating around, which are demons. There are abyssal chickens, which are tiny little creatures that have fleshy flaps on their back that are look like these spikes that peel apart with the gore and like fluid connecting them in the gross infernal way um, to fly and peck at your. Um, party. There are swarms of uh, sturges and oh, your hell wasps and uh, this is not including all of the other demons and devils and fiends that call this place home. So, guys, there's a lot of these weird little creatures here um, from the Kroiktoic, who is a massive slug-like demon that lives in the cyst of the Bleeding Citadel. And if you free it, is ferried around uh, all of Avernus, just consuming everything with its gigantic mouth. It is the favored pet of the demon prince Yanogu. Um, there's all these really cool things. I just want to know, guys, with all of these interesting creatures and denizens in this realm... What's your most favorite and what's your least favorite of these? We, we, we made a little bit of clarification on some yeah. of them because... So I got a four. Here. I guess I'm going first. All right, so first of all, I want to point out that Zeriel um, in Avernus has a very, very, very different um, set of actions than Zeriel that you can find in uh, Mordenkainen's. Yeah. So the difference is that Zeriel that's in Mordenkainen's is just called Zeriel. But in um, Avernus, in the book, she's known as Archduke Zeriel of Avernus. And this is why I would choose her. First of all, CR26. 
Right, so you're... She's one of the most powerful statted-up creatures in the game. Yeah, um, I, I like her there. Not for the campaign that was printed, because, I mean, you get up to level 13. You're a half as powerful as you need to be, right? And you'll never get as powerful as she is. But I like the idea that she can just stomp around and fuck you up. Um, in Mordenkainen's, she's got a longsword attack and a javelin attack. Everything else appears to be uh, the same. However, in the actual Baldur's Gate book... Uh, we get a flail and a, a matalotic. That's the hammer. That's yeah. That's the hammer, right? So, yeah. um, so she's got essentially these additional things that she can do. Um, she doesn't have a longsword in the campaign, but I would one hundred percent because she has legendary actions. She can teleport, or she can use her immolating gaze for two points. Right? Why not have her have the longsword and the javelin options from Mordenkainen's? If if you're going to end up battling her, having a couple of one action only, um, like one legendary action, instead of using the two for the uh, immolating gaze or just a movement, right? If she's standing beside someone and you just want to like reach out and, and fucking hack someone to bits, that's where, that's where I would, um, I would look, would be to Mordenkainen's. So you may have to combine the two yeah, stat okay. blocks a little bit, but really it's just these two attacks. Everything else... And the artwork. The artwork is radically different for Zeriel. Oh, yeah. So she looks um, kind of like a, a, a burning tiefling, almost. On In Mordenkainen's. Yeah. And then like a bald kick-ass like, like a Valkyrie. Vamp- like a vampire from Season 7 of Buffy with wings in, yeah. in, in uh, the actual descent into Avernus. So, you know, I like a lot of the stuff. I like the fact that there are these gangs. And I think of them as being like mayors underneath the governor. Yep. Right? As Modis comes in, kicking ass as the president, and then Zeriel is, is the governor, and then you guys, you've got these guys as mayors of their own little, little cities where the boundaries and the borders are always shifting and they're vying for power. Right? I, I like all that. I love the idea of there being a war boar holding his own. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Sibriex being there, just like making the world mad. And I think that... The Sibriacs being there and the fact that there are these giant, like, pulsating cysts and boils and shit, that all goes right into the twisting flesh yeah. and the the perversion of the area. So, I really like that. I'm not a fan of low-level devils. I think they're kind of... Not powerful enough? They're there for... They're great for roleplay. But even a bearded devil, by the time that you go to fight one, they're they're kind of mundane and boring. There's not a whole lot. Any any devil below CR five. There's like a peak in uh in usefulness with imp, and then everything kind of drops out until you start getting towards the chain devil pit fiend. I just ran a chain devil in the Tuesday group, and they fucking stomped him, and like easily, easily they stomped him, and I I ramped him way up as well. Okay, and so they're not nearly as powerful because his big thing is the environment. The chains come alive. But it's really limited. The action economy works against you with any of these guys. But then if you start throwing three or four of them at a time, you start to run into issues. Yeah. So can I answer your question with something outside the box, a little homebrewy? Sure. In Mordenkainen's, there are the Sorosworn. Okay. And they are Shadowfell creatures that are based in, on pure emotion and misery. And they are, off the top of my head, the lost, the hungry, the angry, the lonely... And the wretched, and they are varying different CRs. Uh, each one of them has a crazy unique power. I would have these guys be different levels of Lemure, 
I would use their stat blocks, but have these these flesh-colored, kind of melted, horrible, bizarre-looking things moving around in packs, or like the angry is a little bit too powerful to move in a pack, but but the lost and the wretched and the hungry. Yeah, these things just wandering around being miserable. The thing that I'm missing from the hells are the seven deadly sins. And these are kind of halfway there. Yeah. And so I really like the idea of just just reskinning them to be devils, to be lemures. Um, and making them move in little packs. Maybe you depower some of the higher-powered ones and have them move through so that you get the idea of lost souls. That's one of the things that I love about Dante's Inferno is when you go on that tour, you see what is happening to the tortured souls. We don't really get that because it's pretty fucking dark for D&D. Yeah. The idea of torturing the, these defenseless little creatures of, of misery and pain and sorrow. And I mean, unless you've got a good party that that is okay with pushing those boundaries, that can be freaking trigger inducing, right? Yeah. So, um, so I like the idea of having ones that have gotten out, or that the imps have been bored playing with, so they've uh, they've twisted and tormented the physical form, and now he's out there just starving to death forever, right? And now you have the hungry, yeah. And so this is where I would start to bring in some other ideas. Because I just don't like low-level fiends. I love fiends. Low-level fiends don't quite scratch that itch for you. No, that that's right. There's a lot of cool cultist stuff. There's a lot of cool high-level stuff. But you're only going to get to, like, CR 13 in this adventure module, right? Yeah. Are you fighting Yinagu or the Krokoktoic or the or Baphomet? Or how many Sibriexes are you taking on? Not many, if any. Yeah. Right, you just can't can't take those. They got stat blocks for Amnizu in here. Those guys will wreck a level fourteen party, right? So, like, good for role play, but there's not a whole lot of combat mechanic um, options for for fiends. And so that's where I would, in my own homebrew in Avernus, that's where I would start looking. Okay, cool. is in Mordenkind's and the Shadowfell. There's a lot of emotion and. And the opposite of there's a lot of apathy creatures in in the Shadowfell as well, which could make sense in Avernus as, as well, right? So, cool, Dave. Um, you got next highest with your five. Yeah, Trey. Um, the one thing I really look for when I'm making um, encounters for my guys is honestly, I don't do a lot of prep. Dan, you can understand where I'm coming from on this one. I yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so, can you guys read? Quite well. Hold on, let me get there. All right, all right. So, so what <laughs> this I do? Is part of your discussion? Yes, absolutely. So what I I'm do is concerned I, for what's coming. I grab a book, monster manual, whatever, and I kind of just flip through it. The dictionary. And no, that's too many. Oh, okay. Words. Yeah, not enough pictures. Okay. Um, but I, I, I genuinely just find something that looks badass. Uh, I find something that's going that I can you, describe. You go off the pictures? Is that what it is? Y- yes, I go off the pictures. No, I don't read them. Uh, I, I kind of make it up as I go, and I just kind of try to find the most badass-looking thing that I can describe that kind of... You are chaotic to, neutral. I, I try to evoke emotion through description rather than through circumstance. Stat block, yeah. yeah. Uh, that way, when it doesn't go my way... I can adjust the stat block in order to make it go my way because sometimes you just underestimate your party or overestimate your party and you got to make those little bits of changes, right? So the one I really liked was uh, was Ball. Yes, Dan, I like Ball. Uh, he is great. He looks B H A A L. 
Sure. Yeah. 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 No, that that's how you pronounce it, but, but that's how you spell it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, his face is a skull. It's flayed. There's no flesh. He's surrounded by a halo of blood. This is great. This can evoke so much more, uh, you know, thought from your guys. Like, we're like yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna get real uh, real reactions from them as you start to describe this. Exactly. You're gonna make them squirm a little bit. You're gonna be like, "Ball, that's nuts." <laughs> what? Are you guys feeling... You're really starting to testing me. Continue, Dave. Uh, Testicles. Dan, please. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to do something here, Dan. This is a family podcast. balls? Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So I like ball. He's a big bully. He likes to command people around. You know, he's he's a big boss guy. He's... I like him. He's great. I like ball. Uh, the one I didn't care for was, I'm going to butcher this, Nupperibo? Nupperibo. Nupperibo. Uh, for the exact same reason that I like Ball, I don't like Nupperibo. Because it looks like a testicle? Uh, it looks like... With arms? A giant sack you of testicles. You go to a doctor. Yeah, you, this should <laughs> look like this. This looks like, um... What's, I, I absolutely love Nupperibo. Uh, uh, because they move. Look, what's their CR? First of all, like CR half, CR quarter, CR eight. Like they're low. Yeah, half, half. These guys move in packs. They're always hungry. They're uh, and they're just. This is a wall of stinking flesh moving at you. It's ne- Dan is already like scowling. And bugs follow them everywhere. Yeah, I, right? I don't want as a character, not even as a player, as a character. I don't want to get close to this to hit it with my sword. Oh, exactly. But that's why I like them because when you have a wall of these things coming at you, you just fuck. Oh no, it's it's uh, no, it just it makes me uncomfortable. And the idea that I, I wouldn't just have bugs behind them, sturges. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, and how wasps would follow as well. Like, yeah, I just love. Sorry, I, I know you don't like them, and it was your turn to answer. But Nuparibo, they have a use. Of, of course, of, they do. Of all of the devils, the low-level devils, they're one of my favorite because they're just a force, a force of nature. They're environmental hazard, like the zombies in The Walking Dead. Right? They're just this because what's their speed? What twenty feet? Yeah. So you guys are just gonna walk past them. Yeah. And, but then they're going to see you. Stay hungry. And follow you as the ever, um, the, the the never stopping horde that just continues to follow. And if you rest for eight hours, suddenly they're there in six. Right, they're always following this just this horde of flesh, and and it just sounds like flesh on flesh. Yeah. This like so not this, again. No, you're not doing it. Stop, stop. This is like, this is like a I hate of you so much. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're one of their abilities is hunger driven. They can flawlessly track any creature. Uh, that is taking any... Smells like chicken. But the only thing they can smell is themselves. Yeah. Like, it. yeah, you're right. Anyway, that's... Yeah. So... No, they make me uncomfortable. I don't like them. All right. No, that's that's fine. I will definitely inject that in the Tuesday game now. Great. Okay. So, I've got a couple things in this game that I absolutely... Specifically in the Avernus side of things that I absolutely love. Um, you're going to piss me right off of this, aren't you? Is it ball? Uh, no. Um... <laughs> If I was to choose a uh, big bad evil guy for a campaign that kind of is himself, uh, got superiors that he's trying to overseed and 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 like uh, overwhelm and and he's fighting with supersede. power. Supersede. Thank you. Um, Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. God damn. Overseed. So he is 
trying to position himself for power, and he is uh, ultimately just a... Um, he's a bit wormy. I would go with Bell. Like, the the. I think he's the guy that sides with your party. Until the end. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you guys have done you guys have lived out your use. You're done. I mean, in this, he's a CR25. Oof. Like, he he's he's no slouch himself, right? Like, and he fits the image of a traditional devil to me. Ain't no CR26, I'll tell you that. Nope, he's not, which is why Zeriel's in charge, but like you get people on Bell's side. And you get on Bell's side, it'll go well for you in the beginning. So, like, I, I love having Bell. I love the character uh, around him. I love the fact that he is um, kind of connected with, uh, like, the lore around uh, the god Moloch as well inside of D&D. Um, where it's, you know, he's the uh, was in charge of Avernus and was unseated and replaced, right? It's kind of fitting the same realm. I, I love using him as a character. Now, if I was to go with something slightly uh, less than that, and this is where I will piss Adam off, I actually do like Hollyfants. Boo! Boo you and your bullshit. Keep Ho- your fucking Saturday cartoons out of my hellscape D&D. Hall of Fans, for those who don't know, are uh, celestial, lawful good, golden, uh, flying elephants. They're, they're tiny. So, or they're small. Fuck them. But they are, uh, they have an aura of invulnerability. They're these cute little things. Uh, they are, uh, they, <laughs> they get uh, the ability to like trumpet, which uh, is a little sound that can be heard for 600 feet. Um, they get innate spell casting, which is all of the best good spells, you know, bless, cure wounds, protection from evil and good, banishment, heal, raise dead, those lovely things. Um, and they are just the most helpful little things. And they're little floating elephants. And they're sweet, and they're cute, and I love them. It's like the North American house hippo. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. right? Um, they are up there for me with flumps. Of just the small, floating, just genuinely You can go good. flump yourself. I am tired of he this just shit already. just like saying flump. Like, just genuinely reason. good and helpful monsters that are in the book. There's not a whole hell of a lot of them. Even your That's funny. Even your good monsters may or may not have ulterior motives. No, the Holly Fent just wants to help you. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It's simple and good and helpful, and I like that. I will There's drop it into a pit of lava, and you can watch the flesh melt from its skull. From its skull, I want this thing to just burn and die. I mean, it, it's it's it's, in, it's invulnerable. Arms. So I mean, you could drop it in lava, but it'll it'll be okay. Okay, can I can I just say for a second? I'm really unhappy with the levels of fire in D anD. d The fact that you can be a, a tiefling that has no connection to the hells at all and be like resistant to hellfire is is or, or like a red dragon breath that annoys me i just get annoyed i think there needs to be well a, you've said before that there were there's a, there, a varying level of there, fire there, there should be mundane fire magical fire alchemist fire dragon breath or breath weapon fire um and I, I dragon fire needs to be it needs to burn hotter it needs to be able to melt shit and then there needs to be hellfire yeah, and hellfire. You and I have debated before whether dragonfire or hellfire is more powerful. Hellfire comes from the plains themselves. It is. It is an environmental 
factor. Dragonfire comes from magic and the weave, but even the weave is is not as powerful as the existence of the planes. Uh, I, I no, I would debate you on this one because there's there like the weave weaves throughout all of the planes. It exists in all of the planes, whereas the planes. They exist where they exist, but they have boundaries. The the even even the abyss, which is apparently infinite, does eventually have boundaries. Look, mundane farmer boy over there that was just born with a dragonborn tattoo can tap into the weave. No That's one because it's everywhere. No one can tap into the elemental nature of of the planes. I mean, if they're a sorcerer, they probably can. Okay. If if like well, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, there's there's like I don't know. Like dragon. Like the 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 raw like primordial p- magical power of dragons. You cannot kill Avernus. You can kill Tiamat. I, I I would say you can kill Avernus. You can destroy a plane of reality. Not with a fucking sword. Uh I mean Do it two bags of holding, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Not not hard. Look, you, well, you, we're you gonna go your bags and your ball out of this. We're thing. we're gonna go back and forth on this one. I do love the Holly fans just because they're really, really good. But there's one little thing I want to bring up to all of my fellow loves animal companions guys out there. Um, which is making Adam roll his eyes even more. The Tressum. Now, I am not a cat person, but the Tressum exist at the end of this book and are winged, intelligent cats. If you have improved familiar or or some, like you're a uh, uh, Pact of the Chain Warlock, I would open up the possibility of having a Tressum. They are brilliant familiars, and they're really only found in the back of this book. They're not really found anywhere else. Um, they're mischievous. They're tiny little monstrosities, um, but they get things like they can detect invisibility. They have a keen sense of smell. Um, they can smell poison. Like it's, um, they're useful. Like high, even if you're building NPCs of high end wizards, look at the Tressum. T R E S S. Y-M, that's in the back of the book here. They are brilliant little familiars to throw out there if you're getting sick and tired of your imps and your cats and your uh, ravens and your hawks. I, can I change my answer to my favorite thing? Sure. I guess I just flipped open the book. Raincaps? Uh, no, uh, no, no. You should see if you flip it, there's uh, madcaps, which are, are fiendish ones as well. They're earlier in the book. But no, my, my, uh, I love red caps. You guys, yeah, uh, red, red caps are amazing. I, I love but them no, uh, my, my favorite thing here is the Aladrin adventurer from the Feywild who became stranded in Avernus after his companions abandoned him. His oh, name, Smiler, Smiler the Defiler. Yeah, and he has existed by making deals with devils, and and he's slowly been corrupted and become evil. Um, but it says right in it, a more apt name for this Aladrin would be Smiler the Beguiler. So the fact that they managed to ram two rhymes into the same thing just tickles my face. This is the guy I was mentioning earlier that hops off his little uh, bike, stabs you, gets on it, and rides away. That's who I was talking about. Smiler the Defiler is this guy. He rides around on his bike. And I would not have it be an infernal machine. I would have it be a bicycle. Potentially one of those old-timey ones from the 1920s. With the really big front wheel? Yeah. 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 And he just, like, rings a bell. 
That's how you know he's coming. <laughs> okay, so uh, we are going to move into uh, shout out now, and when we come back, we're going to start pitching some campaign ideas at each other. This week's shout out is for Logan Beam. On March 21st on Drive Through RPG, Logan is releasing a supplement for one of this show's favorite aspects of D&D, the Fey. In Displaced of a Distant Plane, Fey Migrants, his Eldrin lore master Liz Mayev discusses at length what the effect of having Fey origin migrants would have in the material plane. Logan sent the show a sample of his works, some basic lore and the details of his new race, the Fairishin. These medium fey are quick, nimble, and packed full of potential uses for your campaigns and tables. Check out the release on DriveThruRPG on March 21st. If you are like Logan and you have a project you want the world to hear about, or you just want to shout out something like your DM's birthday, feel free to send us an email at info at itsamimic.com. Thank you, Logan, and thank you, everyone listening. All right, guys, we have talked about the location. We've talked about the tone. We've spent a long time here in Avernus. It's been going very well. I want to know real quick, one one-shot idea, one long-term full campaign, one to 20 campaign idea. Let's grab our dice. How do you use Avernus as a one-shot and a campaign? Can we can we roll up for one and then hit the other one afterwards? Yeah, yeah let's do the one-shot first and then we'll do the, camp, uh, the full campaign after. Sure. So. I got a 12. 16. Oh, you guys need to re-roll. You both got 16s. I'm just kicking ass today. That one. I got a two. Oh, Adam wins with a two. I, I win with a two. <laughs> so one shot. The the one shot campaign, go against Ariel's sword. It's a heist. Yep. That's it. I, I'm not going to make it more complicated than that because it's a one shot. Right? I want you... What was it? The Citadel of... The Bleeding Citadel. The Bleeding Citadel. It's on, it's on a mountain that is a cyst. And I would just... I would turn to my players ahead of time and say, look... We're raiding hell to get an angelic sword back. That right there should catch everybody's attention. Make your lawful good characters tell me what what gods that you pray to. Let's go get this sword back. And that's it. That's just like that's how I would run it. And it would be really I, I may even grab bits and pieces from um from Dragon Heist for this as well, for the heist factor. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be full of traps and patrols. And guards and like there's gonna and be and it's mostly knolls because this is where Yanogu's sitting as well. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of kind of crazy and kind of batch insane. I want them to have an NPC that pitches the escape plan of deflating the cyst, which is a bad idea because the Croakdelic's in it. Yeah, but I like the idea of it like deflating and you are like on your ass like this thing is the size of a mountain, right? Yeah, you are like like snowboarding. No, you're sledding on shields down the side of this thing as it deflates slowly. Oh, I love this. Like Surfing down the pus. Yeah, and, and, and it's a skill challenge to get that. <laughs> Gross. And some people will not get out alive. It's like a super deadly version. I want to start with six players and have one make it out. Yeah. That's that's what I want to do. That's that's my one shot idea. The one guy hits a random like nail sticking out of the thing and just dies as they're sledding down the the cyst. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of, of them getting. He gets to the end and he has this sword now, and then I'm just gonna have his corpse show up in a future campaign when they get the sword. Like the players at level 14 or whatever will be able to pick up the sword and say, "Hey, look, th- this is your weapon moving forward. Your big legendary tier four. Yeah. Right. Like now we're going to get into it. We haven't really mentioned this anywhere in the podcast, but interjecting little thematic 
connected one shots in your overarching campaigns like okay everyone we're just going to pause a normal campaign for a week we're going to run this one shot to feed in and maybe toss some information yeah this is how we do exposition right it's it's a great way of keeping your campaigns your long-term campaigns fresh yeah the other thing too is that if if they've got a map and they can see cool stuff but they know they've got to go to the west but ah there's a there's a thing in the east i want to go see pause your campaign Visit the thing in the east. Have it somehow connect to what's going on. Yeah. Because you, you're not bound by time. Like, what, does this happen chronologically? Right. It can be whatever. And I do that shit all the time. So that that's my answer. I would. Okay. I would. That's how I would introduce this badass, awesome weapon, and also why you're fighting gnolls. Okay. Cool. Dave, uh, I like the idea of just going in, making it simple. Soul recovery. There's a soul that was taken. You need it back. You can make that however you want it. Uh, whoever you want to get it for. Maybe it's your king of the realm that you're from or whatever, you know. But it's simple. You're there. You got to get up through this tower, you know, typical, you know, wizard tower, infiltrate, heist. I mean, one shots are inherently heisty. Yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, whether you're going yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of retrieval happening in a one shot. They're they're feisty heisties, is what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just uh, it's it's a basic idea. Just going to get a soul. Maybe it's been uh, turned into a coin, and you need to get it back before it's used. Yeah, you you know what's really cool is sorry. I want to jump on this for a second. Aren't there all of these people in the in the Shadowfell, specifically in Curse of Strahd? There's an entire population that is born without souls. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge plot point. What if their souls are down in Avernus as soul coins that they've just been like freaking yoinked out ahead of time? <laughs> Bringing and, color to Barovia. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, they burn through one of these and then the person in, in Barovia just lights up and spontaneously combusts. And is gone. Screams, burns, and is ah out. thump falls to the ground dead. Yeah. And meanwhile, someone else is like, "Well, shit, I need more unleaded." Down on Avernus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, like that's. I think that that would be a really cool way to tie it together. Maybe you're from Barovia, but like you start your one shot there, and people are spontaneously combusting. Why? And answer the question: Where are the souls? Yeah. yeah. For me, um, as a one shot. I we don't get enough chases, like we don't get enough like race montages in Dungeons and Dragons in my mind, um, and in my campaigns I very rarely un- like get that. And in Call of Cthulhu, there's straight up chase rules. There's nothing like that in Dungeons and Dragons. So for my one shot, I'm having an Infernal Engine like straight out drag race, like a a pod race. You got to go from one end of Ververnus, you got to get over to the floating citadel of Zeriel, and you have to get there first. There's the rule. Go. Dungeon Master's Guide, page 252. Chases. Oh, sweet. Okay. Beginning a chase, running the chase, ending a chase, chase complications. There are a couple of tables. Urban chase complications, wilderness chase complications. Yeah, there's like three three pages of it. Oh, cool. Mapping the chase, role reversal. So I would do a full-scale race using these rules, yeah. if they're any good, um, as a race across. And it is just, okay, guys, we start off. Uh, you're a party of five. Here are six vehicles you could choose from. I call Nev Campbell. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Those are the only two I know, guys. Was it really Matthew Fox in that before? Yes, Boss? he was. Yeah. How do you know that? 
I, I know that because I'm a big nerd and I know movie stuff, but how do you know that? I liked Party of Five. There I actually it is. watched it. There it is. There no, it is. I've got a weakness for Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'm not going to deny it. All right. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, my one shot is a race. And it's your party selects what machine they're, they're going to be running with. They get a handful of coins that may or may not get them to the end, depending on the size of machine they choose. And if they choose the bigger machine, yeah, they got more, uh, more, you know, options in their, in their, uh, arsenal, but they don't go as fast and they're going to need to figure out a way to get more soul coins to power this thing. And it just adds this interesting aspect. The battle map would just basically be a bunch of like transformers and micro machines moving out their way up the battle map. <laughs> I, like, I love that. That is fantastic. Right. That's so, great. uh, that that would be me for that one. So let's let's grab our dice. Let's go with a full campaign here, guys. Got a seventeen. Don't you dare. Four. Don't you dare, you son of a bitch. I still go first. You knocked my number down to a ten deliberately, I might add, and you're getting going second with a seven. All right. So for my full campaign, Dave, you kind of hit it with the go and retrieve. Um, I would say that there is a uh, archmage that has. Had his mind stripped from him either because he was fed a potion of the river sticks or was a bit too close uh, to a Sibriax for a bit too long and is now wandering Avernus. And now you have a full campaign trying to find this guy, but you're not the only faction trying to find him because he's a archmage. I'm talking like a Mordenkainen level of power here. So there are factions. There are all these warlords that you have to now vie uh, against there's Zeriel and her whole thing. There's the blood war going around around you, and you are trying to find this uh, archmage. And around level ten, you're gonna find him. You're gonna and you're gonna have a couple allies on your side that you've made. Um, but he is going to. Uh, you're gonna figure out what made him um, lose his mind, which is very simply. He spent too long in the River Styx, and now you have to go retrieve his memories. And to do that, you have to go through all of the planes of hell, all of the planes of the abyss, and everything else, and retrieve Not his all mind. the ones in the abyss. There are an infinite number in the abyss. Well, wherever you need to go. All the way through, even hitting the good realms as well, as you're trying to retrieve his mind. And at the end of level 20, you find out that Asmodeus has taken these from him, and you have to fight off against Asmodeus and his armies. Right, and you've probably built some way to not destroy because you can't destroy the most powerful of all the gods, but maybe try to find a way to imprison him. Oh, you no, you just offer up the lawful good paladin of the party as a trade, or something. That's yeah. That's yeah. hey, look, I brought you a level twenty soul here. Okay, uh, Adam, what you got? <sighs> all right, so I'm gonna lean heavily into the Bell versus Zeriel. Um, now in Eberron, they give you some rules about group patrons. Bell is going to come to your party. I called you all. I stole you from your beds and brought you to hell because I've heard of your deeds and I can see a little bit into the future because I've got Mad Maggie on my shoulder whispering prophecies and shit. Whatever it is, I bring you in. Gangs. There are these, these these gangs out there. Unite the gangs. Bring the following three demon lords into the fold. Let's take over Zeriel, uh, and we'll we'll oust her. I will take over Avernus. I will allow them access to Dees, 
and I will declare the gang leaders my personal war council. But you have to unite them. And now the entire campaign exists here in Avernus. I like it. And it would be a little bit political, but you you know where you're going, who you're talking to, and and why you're talking to them. And and, and don't get it twisted that the the different warlords of Avernus all have their own goals, their own desires, and they're not going to be. Oh, I'll just go kill that one. No, it's not kill. Convince. Sign them up. Yeah. We. I want them on my side. Only if they refuse. Three times, let's say. Can you do this? And I will sign this contract. It says, if you do it all, I will let uh, you free, as well as the loved one's souls that I have trapped down here. That In soul uh, points. Yeah, In that I, I, I'm here using as barter. Help yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I imagine that you flip it over, and instead of, like, like, the head on the back of a coin, it's, like, the head of the person. There's actually a picture of what a soul coin looks like. Oh, yeah, is there? Yeah. It's in the back of the, it's in the back of the book with all the other magic items, which are my favorite thing in the back of the book is the infernal script. Uh, yep, yep. That like it actually shows you what infernal looks like. So a soul coin is like a wrought metal gear looking like it. It's just a thing, and it it you could do a lot with a soul coin. Like they are a fairly cool item in and of themselves. Um, you can use the soul coins to drain life from the soul's essence to give yourself uh, uh, hit points. You can uh, talk to the souls of the soul coins. Um, you can eventually free the soul of a soul coin, um, but you could do that by like destroying the coin or doing whatever you want to do there. Uh, but they're also, of course, you know, currency. Cool. So they're how you buy things in hell. All right, Dave, what do you cool. got? I like the idea of, I mean, it was originally supposed to be a paradise, right? It was great. It was grand. It was wonderful. I like the idea of trying to get rid of... Stop the blood war. There's your campaign. I, I mean, yes. At least move it over there. Get yeah. get out of my... Yeah, move it down to the next... You know, <laughs> I, I'm looking at, like, the nine levels of hell, and then above that's the material plane. You know, try to maybe get It less... doesn't quite work that way. I know indeed. it doesn't, but you... you Work with me here. All right, I'm sorry. All right, I'm like, not sorry. Try to get it less of a you know layer of hell and more of a layer of a material plane again. Try to restore some of the good to it. Was it ever a material plane, or was it just a, a paradise down here in the nine hells? Uh, it was a paradise in the nine hells to attract mortals. Okay, so it was like the fake storefront where yep. they're, they're running the money laundering in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think return it to its former glory. However, you may do that. You know, no. get rid of the the citadel on top of the Pus Mountains and get rid turn of the, the Pus Mountains into you know. I absolutely love them. I absolutely love that we're calling them Pus Mountains. That 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 tickles my my ball. So that's all I had. So thank thanks, you. Adam. Thank you. So yeah. one of the things fucking train wreck. <laughs> What? <laughs> just nothing. Just go ahead. No, like, ball the guy is just getting tickled down in the nine hells. Yeah, no, just what do you got there, Adam? All right, so um, I like the idea of you doing this, um, trying, because essentially the first thing you have to do is stop the flow of the river sticks. And that's going to be absolutely mad. And you're going to start dropping these fortresses you were talking about down as into dams. it as dams. Oh, you're going to have damned dams. There we go. Ew. Dams, Every- damned dams. 
God damn it, Dan. Dams discount damn dams. So, so, um, but it wouldn't just cut off the flow to the nine hells. It's also going to uh, cut off uh, Ar- Archeron. Sorry, Acheron. Akron? Uh, no, not Akron. Okay. <laughs> no, Akron, Ohio is a level of hell. I get it. Uh, yeah. No, no 100% uh, it is. And I know there are people from Ohio who listen to this, and I stand by that fucking statement. Akron, Ohio is a level of hells. That's good. We just lost that one listener. There was no listener in Acheron. They, they don't have technology yet. So, um, so Acheron is the lawful neutral slash lawful evil um, plane that exists. Uh, and that, that's actually where the River Styx ends, is, is in here. But the one right before the Nine Hells uh, is Gehenna. So, in theory, you're plugging, you're, you're damming it up so that all of a sudden these waters run dry and there's no simple way now to get to these plains down the river sticks and you're flooding Gehenna. You're not only flooding Gehenna, you are now messing with the Yugoloth's main source of income. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I like you about You want to piss off be... an entire like alignment of fiend? Guess what? Here's how you do it. Well, that's what that's what I like about it. There's going to be levels of mishap along the way that they're just your players are not anticipating. Yeah. You know, there's going to be cause and effect, and that effect might <laughs> not be great. You know? Yeah, the, the the effect might be the general of Gehenna invades Avernus. Yeah, finally shows his head. Just right. like you, you closed my river. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you are going to have some really, really interesting encounters by damming the the river state of the damned. Yeah. yeah, like I think that's that's really neat. I got a question for you. When someone melts, when when you hit the afterlife and you enter the river sticks and you melt into a Lemure and you come out the other side, what happened to all of your gear? What happened to your memories? What happened to your body? It's just kind of like stockpiled in a ver- Oh, I think it's in the silt underneath the river sticks. And so that when you dam it up, you can see all of the, the lost memories. And all of the items and everything else. It'll the look essences like, of people I'm, that are behind. And I'm, I'm thinking... I'm oh, sorry, what are you guys... Well, you I, I was thinking, like, it could be like uh, the children's movie Inside Out. If you guys yeah, have yeah, you yeah. seen that one where, like, it's all about the emotions and whatnot that run a person's brain. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part where you go outside of the realm of memory and personality and you end up in uh, like the, what was it, the long-term or short-term memory dump or whatever it is. They just throw all the memories that you forget into this spot and you slowly fade away to nothing. Like the bottom of the river sticks is just this and each granule of sand on the ground is the full like encompassed memory of a creature. I was thinking that I would take it a step further than that, and it wouldn't be because the River Styx is one of these infinite things that actually has finite boundaries. Yeah. D&D is full of that shit, right? But I think that when you go down into the bed of the River Styx, you see people's, not souls, but essence, like a translucent and ethereal version of that person buried to the waist. And they're all just sticking up, packed in, shoulder to shoulder down here, reaching up, moaning and screaming. I remember. I remember. Don't forget me. Oh, that's terrifying. And you have to go down and wade through them to find someone. That's terrifying. Who hurt you? You. You you hurt me. Oh, I'm gonna. (laughs) 
so no, that's that's the kind. Of, well, if you're going to hell, be scary. Keep your fucking flying pink elephant parade out of my I, goddamn hells. Golden, I don't give a shit. You no. give a little bit of a shit. I do not give a shit about the freaking flying elephant. What is it called again? Elephant. I will never remember that because I will scrub that shit from my brain. That belongs in the Feywild. It does not belong in the Nine Hell. I'm fine with it, dicking around in the Happy Hunting Grounds. Get out, get out of my, get out of my. I, I, I like it because of the amount I, of celestial presence that has forced its way down here to fight the Blood War. It adds a little bit more depth and character to it. Because if it's I just will, a war zone, then it's just a war zone. Here, Yinagu is going to sit there and look you square in the eye and say, "Look, I will give you Zeriel's sword." If you will flay this Hollyfant in front of me. Yeah, I mean, you could do stuff like that. And, like, that that's one of the reasons why I like Hollyfants. They are symbols of all that is good. They are boring. immutable good. Boring. No, that's not boring. Immutable good is not boring. It's boring. It's not boring. Dave? Give me a... Give me an argument other than it's just boring. It's it's boring until until it starts to scream. Until you slowly start to peel the trunk. Down until you have a sleeve. You cut off the tip of it. You can wear it, and now it's armor. You're a terrible person. I'm going to the hells. <laughs> it's gonna get dark. Hey, where are you going? Let's move over closer yeah, to Dan. You sick freak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I have I have no tolerance. And and I think that that this perspective of hating these things is how the devils have got to run, right? Yeah, when they no, see I, one I, of I these understand. Things, yeah. So like, I, I want. If you're going to the place where evil exists, be evil. Don't pull your punches. I like how you're sitting across the table from a demon prince or an archdevil or something, having a dis- uh, a discussion of some way, shape, and form, and you know, flying just outside the window, they catch out of the corner of their eye a holly fan, and they just go like, you know, a nice, peaceful kind of son of a fuck, god fucking no. throwing tables and they, no, they no, get no, up. No, no, no. I think they stand up and they, they like straighten their armor and they walk over to the window and they say, just one moment, please. They open it up. Power word kill. And that thing just fucking drops to the ground. Or splatters and goes, <clears throat> and he closes the window and comes back and says, I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> just having enough of this shit. I want, I just, I, I fucking hate them. I just got, God fucking damn it, Dan. End of this goddamn episode. Alright. Well, that uh, in Adam's Rage is the end of this week's episode of On Avernus. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we're finishing the discussion on elves. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. So we've spent the entire podcast talking about Avernus and all the fun little things in there. Um, and we spent some time talking about Infernal Engines and, and the, the great joys that they are. But it's it's let's be honest, it's cars in my D&D. So what other real world technology do you implement into D&D and how do you do it to make it D&D-E? D&D-E? Yeah. I, I like it. All right, should we roll? Yeah, let's roll for it. Okay, we got a re-roll here. <laughs> what?
Uh, both. Uh, you got a six, so Adam's going to go first, but Dave and I both rolled five. I rolled another five, and yeah, Dave got 17. a 17. So I'll go last. Adam, what you got? Um, I am big on elevators. Okay. Absolutely love putting elevators in. Um, I haven't done it in the campaign that we are in right now because it's all very flat and it's all rivers. And if you go down, then the water is down. So I tend not to do that. Um, but in the previous campaign, we relied heavily on elevators to get up and down, not only inside like shrines and stuff, but up and down the side of cliffs as well. Mm-hmm. And I just use a donkey wheel. A donkey wheel? Yeah, the idea of there being essentially one big gear that a huge rope wraps around and you put beasts of burden or ogres or slaves or whatever it is around it to push and wind it up or wind it down. All right, cool. And so, and I really, really, really like that. I'll also do that for um, like mine cars or getting items on a zip line from one side to the other using a donkey wheel. So it's like tied in fixed position. It goes back and forth like that. It's medieval enough without being magic-y, right? Like yeah. everyone it's can It's engineering wrap, rather than magic. Yeah, everyone can wrap their brain around it, but I always, always, always make it a gnome's uh, invention. And I usually provide a broken one at first. Okay. So that you need to either find a gnome to fix it if it's in your base or it's somewhere that you're going to be around or, or you need to get to that part of the dungeon, go rescue the gnome. Yep. Or... Um, or the, the gnome in the party's got to sit there and tinker or roll a check or something as well. Uh, that is that is really the only time that I apply gnome tinkering to the flavor of my world is elevators. Okay. So cool. that, yeah, that's my answer. Dave, what do you got? Uh, well, I mean, it kind of goes with what you were saying. I, I like the idea of improving modes of transportation. Yep. Uh, I mean, you said it with the engines and you said it with elevators, as you all know. I love it with Eberron. You've got your lightning rail. You've got yeah. your... I, I figured this one would kind of be a, like a, a soft, underhanded pitch for you who loves the Eberron campaign. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a really simple idea. They just take the different kinds of elementals and imbue them into binding rings and use that in order to get around. It's it's simple. It works. And it, you know what? Yeah, they're just create, binding elementals. It's simple. It's, it's fine. Well, it can create an interesting story if, yeah, if exactly. you need it, right? It is simple because you can wave your hand at it. You, you don't have to have a huge freaking opinion yeah. with, with a backstory of well this one wizard came forward and and crafted this item and gave it to a dwarf to like it, you just it, it just happened yeah you can explain it away in three words or less right so yeah it's something that's always been done this isn't special necessarily yeah it's unique to D, but it's not the biggest best craziest idea that you can build a campaign around i mean shit you can i mean hell you can build a campaign around elevators mm-hmm. right but that's so uh for me, I, I think we don't have enough of, like, clockwork monstrosities. I know you could go with the Modrons and stuff like that, but I want to see, like, um, suits for, like, lumber yard uh, and uh, wood cutting. Mechs? You're talking about mechs. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But, like, steam-powered clockwork mechs. I thought you said in D&D. In D and D, I want to like have a this Warforged Colossus, kind of like a Warforged Colossus, just one that's constantly spewing either smoke or steam, depending on who made it. I'd say it's steam if it's a gnome, it's smoke if it's a, a dwarf or a goblin, or a goblin or an orc made it. Um, this is definitely my World of Warcraft bleeding in a little you bit. You don't say. Yeah, but I, I I've always liked that a little bit of. Um, as they call it in WoW, goblin engineering that's been thrown in with like just. Super crude. Super crude. I mean, I, I play orcs in 40k as well. I play orcs in uh, Warhammer Fantasy and everything is super crude, like 
rough, bashed together, found metal, just, you know, steel nailed onto something well, else. I mean, you yourself are just like one tusk away from being an orc. Uh, yeah, you're you're not wrong. I got this, like... And also one tusk away from being a man. I actually, I actually have two other things to add to this. Okay, okay. Conversation. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's an actual stopping point. I'm going to be stopping there. No, no uh, the, when you go into uh, Victorian times, I love that because all of this is overlapping, we have to leave it in. So, um, yeah, when thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> As the editor, fuck. Um, so, the, uh, like, when you talk about Victorian times and, like, uh, like London and whatnot, and I like thinking about lamplighters in particular, but I like the idea of them walking around casting light. In lampposts, which just are lanterns with a magical spell or cantrip or something on it that holds the the um, the cantrip for a longer period of time, overnight. Yeah. And there are some things that you can do like that to just make life a little bit easier, especially when it comes time to like, did they really have matches, or was it all flint and steel and tinder boxes? A, spy, a spyglass is a thousand gold pieces. How how common are mirrors? Because we see steel mirrors, but we don't get silver mirrors or glass mirrors, right? And at some point, I think you can just kind of hand wave that shit with the use of simple magic, cantrip level magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to get glass when people are flinging around fireballs. You get one guy do it in a desert once and realize, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I mean, there, I see. I think that's a really cool campaign idea or location idea of having a glass blasted part of the desert. Yeah, and that's when you know that you're getting close to the blue dragon lair. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm on board with that. Did you have another one or? Uh, yeah, and I don't remember what it is now. Okay, I actually I really like the idea of uh, having. This is just a little bit aside. Things that lengthen the uh, uh, use or the power or extend the power of spells that are like a. A seemingly mundane item like you have a certain kind of gem found in a certain kind of mountain mined by a certain clan of dwarves that are then exported throughout the realms and the only function that they have is they hold on to that light spell for an extra seven hours long yeah right? i can get behind that i i, I, I like that kind I, of stuff I genuinely don't like manipulating how spells are in the books just because i feel that that gives the players too much it's already balanced yeah. You don't need to fuck it anymore, right? Right, like, yeah. yeah. And given the more, it can create problems later on. Yeah. Right? But, but I mean, that's a great idea. Have that one gem from that one thing do that one, for that one purpose. And then what you could do is you could have all of them go missing in the city. And now you have this city that is, you know, I don't know, in the throes of winter and could really use light when the sun goes down. You know what I would do is I wouldn't say it's the one gem that does it. Just change the spell components. If you have this more potent oh, component, yeah, no, like that, yeah. there you go, right? And so you would have, that's what rangers are for now, right? That's why you go to visit that elven village, because they've got that better kind of, of route that you need to cast druidcraft or whatever, right? And, and this brings back the good old tried and true uh, skinning and harvesting materials from your monstrous kills. Like... I remember way back in the day, you'd kill a naga and you would have to, you know, harvest the venom sacks or you'd kill a dragon and everyone would be like, I want scales, teeth, claws and eyeballs and, you know, whatever the thing is that is powering their breath weapon. I want those. And you make them roll a series of nature checks or medicine checks to get them all out. There's a bunch. I miss this in my DM. There's a bunch of that stuff on DM's Guild. And oh, yeah. you can find a lot of it for free online all over the place. Um, I like the idea of harvesting, but at some point, you guys are just going to start grinding. 
You're just going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to take the time to go kill 4,000 kobolds because we need teeth and I want to make a freaking chainsaw out of kobold teeth. On one hand, I see how this is Gnarly. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> on, on, one, on one hand, I see how this is a problem, but this also could encourage your party building into guilds and having minions that they send out and be like, listen, we're level 12. We don't need to go out and kill 4,000 kobolds, but we have these 10 militiamen that we saved seven sessions ago who are sitting here twiddling their thumbs and just being glorified guardsmen. Why don't we send them out to the kobold tribes? They'll come back in three weeks with 4,000 teeth. Yeah, I think it was the mailbag episode that Brad Megan and I did where he said that the thing missing from D&D was crafting. And I think that this is a great idea yeah. in order to get that back into it. I remember what my other thing was, by the way. I absolutely hate the idea of there being newspapers in D&D. And, they're all, and that's a big thing in, in uh, Eberron. Yeah. But I, there's also like... Like notices and pages handed out, pamphlets, pamphlets and stuff in Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate, and I hate that because if we have the printing press, then we should have a bunch of other shit at this point too. Yeah. So I don't like that, and I think that there are a couple of things that we have already, like adding messages to items. You can go by and you can put your hand. And you just have a column in the middle of town square. There's seven or eight of them. And somebody goes around every morning and charges them, and the people go. They put their hand on it. Their eyes go white. And they sit there for 30 seconds and they get the daily news. And there's a lineup. Why are people handing out pamphlets when you have fucking Skyrite? Oh, why are people handing out pamphlets where you have, you know, the first level ritual magic mouth? Yeah. Just like placelet, like, why do you have town criers? You should just have this one post in the middle of this town, this one that you have. But it's just got like four ends of mouths that are just yelling out the news for the day. Oh, man. And then... That could be a fun set piece. And then the goblins get a hold of it and the mouths are just arguing because the goblins think it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. No, I think that there are a lot of fun fun ways to go. Like, I'm sitting there thinking about casting light on the thing. Sure, that's great. Whatever. Why do why don't Faye have uh, have lanterns that don't have uh, 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 any oil or anything in it? They're just really empty glass cases full of lightning bugs, right? Like we should start thinking outside of of the norm on this one yeah. and think about: Is there a natural way we can do it? Is there a magic way we can do it? Is there a creature way we can do well, it? Well, you mentioned that your gnomes are your engineers. Your gnomes are your tinkerers. They're That's because the are... there's just no other fucking use for a gnome. I mean, you're wrong on so many other levels. Um, but what you can do is think of what creature made this and how would they impart that flavor on this item. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that freaking catapult, the ogre, the goblin launching catapult the ogre had. That was the best thing we did in our campaign. And this is based, this is a real mini. It's in one of the books too. Like this thing, it, it's called a goblin hucker. Yeah. And it, it's an ogre with a catapult strapped to his back. Yeah, and okay. so there's one pilot that sits there. It's a little goblin pilot that sits on his shoulder and pulls the lever. And there's a big freaking catapult arm off the back with the goblin with wearing a helmet. But that I, has, like, spikes on it. Of yeah. course, naturally. Yeah. But I, I love the idea of it having a chin strap. And so these things are hitting fucking trees. The goblin dies on impact. And there's just a body hanging there by a chin strap, like, six feet up in the air. And the little, little gray legs just kind of twitching every once in a while. <laughs> so I had a random table. I was rolling to see... How wounded they were when they landed, it did not go well. But we use this in ship warfare through uh, through fog. So okay, so, so all we would hear is a ah, 
and we would just see this goblin with this spiked helmet hit our mast and then die and just hang there. Yeah, hit the side of the boat. You just thunk in splintering wood. Like, what the fuck was that? Thunk. <laughs> it was hilarious and then kind of deadly as yeah. well. And then below deck, oh. there, were, there were a lineup of like 20 goblins with one goblin boss going, all right, guys, this is it. This is what we're made for. Strap your helmets on and let's go. Once more into the breach, my <laughs> friends. <laughs> so that's that was my solution to cannonballs because I really wanted to include someone doing a cannonball. So like they're hugging their knees and then just hurtling through the air on this. And it was uh, ridiculous and stupid, but so much fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs>